0: to Radio X Off the Record, a podcast produced by NSU's Radio X. I'm Jamari, although most of you may know me as DJ Flackey on 88.5 FM. And I'm
1: Horatia, also known as DJ Black Lotus, coming to you from our own home studios. This week, we're talking with NSU senior peer leader, Cara Roll, on her role in student orientation this year. We'll also be discussing the new Dan and Shay single, I Should Probably Go to Bed, on music release radar before diving into an exclusive interview with Kid Francis Coley. For short news, we're speaking with Kara Roll, who is now a junior pursuing her bachelor's of science in public health. She's also served two semesters as a peer leader within the freshman seminar class before receiving a promotion to become a senior peer leader. She also hopes to pursue her graduate degree in environmental policy making. Today we wanted to talk to her with all the stuff going on with orientation during the COVID-19 pandemic to gain some insight from a peer leader's perspective. So of course, to start off, the obvious question is, what are your roles as a senior peer leader.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Kara, And yeah, in order to really define the role of a senior peer leader, I guess it would be much easier to really define the role of a peer leader first. So as peer leaders, firstly, you're a partner with your designated instructor. So you work as a team to help design the curriculum and the syllabus, you work together to allocate exactly what responsibilities you will have within the classroom, what responsibilities the professor will have in the classroom classroom and you also have a duty to your students so one role of the peer leaders is to conduct one-on-one meetings with students so that we can really get that kind of connection with the first year students and with that freshman class so they'll have a lot of questions so you want to make them comfortable and the peer leader is really there to assist them throughout this entire process and be able to help them and as a senior peer leader we're also peer leaders so we do have our own classes with designated instructor but we also are in charge of conducting and designing the training sessions that the pair leaders undergo which obviously took a much different route this year because it transformed to an online training session we also have small cohort group of the different peer leaders so one cohort would have about let's say 12 to 13 people in it and we really are just that guide for the peer leaders so if they have any questions if they need any any help. It's a community building type of small, intimate cohort to really help out wherever needed.
1: And on a more personal note, why did you choose to become a peer leader?
2: I personally decided to become a peer leader because I am an international student from the Bahamas. So moving to the United States, my freshman year was extremely hectic for me. I had really bad homesickness and my peer leader she was really, really there for me. You know, I was able to text her whenever I had any questions. I was able to like just send her a message if I was feeling bad, if I needed help with anything and my UNIV instructor was also such a good help because she would always just randomly like send me an email like hey are you okay how are you doing and just knowing that they made such an impact on my experience I kind of want to be able to do that for someone else and take on that kind of like a big sister role.
1: And why is orientation significant and essential for incoming students?
2: I think orientation is of utmost importance, really, because that's your real first overall introduction to the school. So, you go to orientation, you get to meet your peer leader and your UNIV instructor, so at least you get kind of that head start, that jump start to meeting the people that you will have to spend the remainder of your semester with, but also you are informed about so much more, like you receive so much information during orientation that will really help to guide. Guide you and help you through your year.
1: And what are some of the precautions that are going to be in place for the incoming student safety?
2: Well, with regards to orientation, first of all, orientation was moved completely online, so there won't be any type of contact with regards to orientation. And I would say that Nova did a pretty good job in ensuring that the blend flex model was pressed because, I mean, students still have that option that they don't have to come in once class is in. They don't have to come in to class if they aren't comfortable. So that's amazing. The capacity cap for each of the classrooms were also significant limited. So I think that that's really amazing as well because it ensures that that space between the students are there and of course in general masks will be enforced. But that doesn't really apply to orientation because thankfully orientation is fully online.
1: And you mentioned orientation being online. How will virtual chat sessions be utilized for other areas of orientation such as student activities or is it going to be more discussion based?
2: It's going to take a completely different type of look this year. So yes, it's going to be online, but it'll start off with like a check-in process. So the students and or parents, if the parents are present as well, they'll check in with their care leader. So they'll be able to have that, you know, first interaction. They'll be able to ask any additional questions. And then after check-in, they'll go into large group sessions. So instead of the smaller classroom sessions, then it'll move into the much larger session with Dr. Brad Williams, who will be giving the welcome, just as he usually does, to orientation. And following this, there will be like more classroom activities. So they'll move back into the smaller groups. So in other words, instead of that large overall orientation picture that we all envision with everyone sitting in the race arena, it'll be more so each UNIV class together until the broad session, and then they'll move back into those smaller portions for more activities.
1: And how do you think that incoming students will benefit from this year's specific orientation?
2: Well, I think. This year's students will benefit in the sense that, first of all, they have that option to be at home with their parents. I know for me, traveling from the Bahamas to come to orientation, you know, that was a little hard, separating from my family. So they'll still have the comfort of being within their home, which really eases the nerves of being a freshman a lot, I would say. In addition to this, I feel like they'll have more leeway to be comfortable so they can dress in their pajama pants, then, you know, no one would know. So also eliminating that extreme discomfort, um, they'll be able to interact with the peer leaders one-on-one during the check-in process. So if they have any questions that they may not have felt comfortable asking in front of the entire class or in front of the entire chat, they have that option to ask, as well as their parents now have that option to ask any additional questions as well.
1: Well that's great to know and where can incoming students and their parents find more information on this year's orientation?
2: So there is a webpage set up solely for orientation. They can go to www.nova.edu slash student orientation, and they'll be able to obtain a lot more information. I would suggest that they personally contact their peer leaders because the peer leaders are really informed on everything. They'll be able to give them, you know, individualized answers because the peer leaders have already reached out to the freshman student to ask them if they have any questions and really introduce themselves. So that also applies. So yeah, they have any of those options, really.
1: And as a senior peer leader, what advice or suggestions would you give to incoming freshmen, especially those nervous because of COVID-19?
2: As a senior peer leader, the advice that I would give to the upcoming freshmen would definitely be to make the most of every single opportunity. So yes, this year is going to be very different from what we previously experienced. Some of us may not have any experience using different softwares like Zoom and different online softwares. But yeah, I would definitely suggest that if you are at home, then optimize that time being at home, spend time with your family, spend time with people that you don't normally get to spend time with. If you are going to in-person classes and, you know, really protect yourself, ensure that you keep your mask on, ensure that you continue washing your hands. NOVA has put in a lot of really strict guidelines to ensure the safety of all of the students, so I hope that that gives them some comfort.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking your time to speak with me, Kara, and I honestly hope that this year's orientation, although very different, does end up being one to remember for all the incoming students.
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. For Music Release Radar,
1: we're discussing the new Dan and Shay single, I Should Probably Go to Bed, recently released last week, Friday, July 31st. The single is the first new release since their Chart Topper collab with Justin Bieber for 10,000 hours. Unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, the duo has also postponed their tour until 2021, like many other artists. However, that clearly hasn't stopped Dan and Shay from producing and releasing new music. Although I Should Probably Go to Bed has been decently received by most critics, it still seems to pale in comparison to their other hits. Of course, I always encourage everyone to listen for themselves and form their own opinions speaking of which in my personal opinion as someone who likes country music and pop as well as a huge dan and Shay fan many still debate the authenticity of their music being truly country whether you believe yes or no to this debate there's no doubt that their latest song is not only simple but also very relatable and one i look forward to adding to my own playlist
0: In terms of lyrics for the song, I should probably go to bed, it feels as though it resonates very well with the emotions a few of us could have felt during the beginnings of this at-home self-quarantine summer. The inability to do much and be stuck at home can allow us to contemplate previously discarded thoughts. The specific thought that gets brought about in this song is that of the reemergence of a past love. Yet Dan and Shay in their lyrics also take the time to realize it would be best to not progress with that thought, and as the title implies, they should probably go to bed, which I hope many of you have taken the time to catch up on some sleep during this time at home. I'm no expert, but I do know that sleep is vital. Going back to the song, though, the essential message Kind of sounds like, hmm, let's not start up something we know will not end well. Therefore, they choose to just sleep it off. This isn't the ideal way to deal with a problem, but thankfully what Dan and Shay are referring to isn't necessarily a problem, rather it sounds like the prologue to a potential problem. Rather than taking the time to put themselves in this situation, they choose to pass on it and assess the damages prior to making it an issue and realizing it's not worth the time so sleep sounds a lot better and while on the topic of sleep you won't want to sleep on this week's artist interview with a former top artist who was announced on our ninth episode of radio x off the record we are joined by a french artist who goes by the name of kid francis Goley.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: To begin, we'd like to know how you've recently been with the growth of your music.
3: I felt very uh, lucky by everything that happened lately, I mean the last months, because as you may know, there we had like a huge uh, success on uh, TikTok with the song Moon, and um, it has been something that uh, that helped the rest of the discography, because obviously people uh, came to us thanks to TikTok and the, and the success of the song uh, on it, and then um, obviously... Uh, listen to the rest of the song. So it brings us more and more people who are f- fans, people who like the music. So I, I was pretty happy with the way the project was growing for the last three albums because I was making uh, make a living out of it and uh, travel through the world. And, you know, I was all of my, not dreams come true, but all of my goals were almost achieved. Uh, but uh, suddenly with the TikTok thing, it, it became something even more uh, huge. So it just is, I only see positive things about it. Really,
0: more about TikTok uh, later. But to kind of go back to how you mentioned the three albums, we know that your work with Julia for around five years, your partnership ended. How was it like working with Julia and creating Play Me Again?
3: Uh, it was a very uh, nice, nice experience in a term of um, inspiration and creation. You know, writing music and uh, exchange ideas because we were really like a, like a duo. First, because the the first album that that we made together uh, with Julia In uh, that was released in 2014. We, we met in uh, New York and then she went back to his uh, hometown, Chicago, and I was in Marseille. And it was a, a very romantic way to uh, to write, but in the same time it was complicated because we were sending each other files on the internet or uh, maybe we we could uh, m- met in New York or in Marseille, but only for uh, like 10 days or a week. So we would make it like a, in, a, in a rush most of the time and uh, and then as the, the album with Judah had a success uh, I mean not a huge success but enough to make us uh, a tour together she came and stayed in Marseille so it was first it was more easy to write and to record because we were together all the time so we uh, were able to go to the end of the process you know uh, like deep on, on writing and, and uh, writing lyrics and uh, uh, recording and composing music and so it was re- really good to have, to have uh, uh, here for the play me again uh, process of the, the recording of the album and um, I don't know there was like a, a chemistry that were born on with Julia and exploded on uh, play me again because we uh, I think we, we, we reached a point on this album that uh, we talked about everything we wanted to talk about and uh, we made all the songs uh, I had in mind you know uh, you have goals when you start to working on, the, on an album because you have obviously influences and for play me again I had this list of uh, you know I want uh, a very dense one an electronic one R&B one uh, 80s music 80s um, movie a soundtrack one and uh, we reach I think we reach almost all the the, the goals for the album so it was really nice to work together but, but in the same time it was like kind of a painful experience because uh, we were uh, together just before with Julia so it was uh, um, there was like this uh, you know uh, a thing between us that sometimes can be nice for the inspiration but sometimes it's uh, not great because there is not really a good atmosphere but when it came to the music we were professionals enough and involved enough and uh, in love with what the music we were doing to put it apart and to just focus on the music.
0: Speaking of your music how do you feel it's evolved to your most current release lover?
3: I really like the way it evolved through the years because the f- first two albums were uh, very deeply influenced by uh, you know very uh, calm and not dancey at all bands <laughs> like uh, or atmospheric like Air or uh, Ben Sebastian and and granddaddy, The Flaming Dims, a lot of new American folk. And I was always full of uh, inspiration. I had a lot of admiration for the, the bands who managed to evolve through the career, you know, like touch to a lot of styles like uh, Queen, for instance, or The Beatles. The first that come in my mind was Queen because first, because there was uh, my first really in love band I was like idols for me. And when you think about like a Bohemian Rhapsody, like uh, opera, rock opera, to uh, another one, by the Dust, who is kind of uh, a disco, funky song there is like a a world you know in between or if you think about the Beatles and think about Love Me Do from Love Me Do to Come Together for instance so I was always attracted by that kind of um, evolution in the career. And I'm uh, really happy with it because after these two first albums, I was not make, make a living of, on the music at uh, this point. After these two first albums, they were like really uh, calm and sweet pop music. I've discovered all of the, you know, very exciting, uh, very dancey bands like LCD sound system or uh, the rapture or uh, or chip that kind of of music and i discovered also the the fact of uh, being a dj that i'm not anymore because it's a real job and and i'm not that's not my job but uh, at that time i was making a lot of dj set and also uh, collaborate with a, a band from marseille that's called uh, nasser and us on stage to uh, you know play the keyboard and uh, that gigs uh so the dj set and the, and the shows with nasser it uh, made me discover what the feeling the amazing feeling of having a, a dancy crow in front of you like people going crazy and dancing and closing their eyes and having their arms up in the air and so i made a, a little turn on my music because i put that dancy elements ingredients on the the very folk melodic songs that I was listening for the the last two albums, the years of the last two albums. And it clearly evolved suddenly. And I think I've polished a little bit. I mean, I went deeper in that style. And I've started another turn, another little turn on uh, Lovers, which is something that more, I, I've, I've tried to put a little bit more of a sun sun feeling like Mediterranean Sea, you know, influences, something more uh, warm. And to summarize, I'm really happy with all of the evolution of the music of the albums and through the years.
0: And I know you mentioned along the lines um tour. In terms of your recent album, there was a potential tour scheduled. How has the events of the pandemic affected your ability to tour so far?
3: It has uh, affected it in an enormous way. I can tell how disappointed I was when uh, we have started touring and we suddenly had to stop. We made three or four shows Out of 50 that was planned. So it's a huge disappointment, and it still is because we we played a couple of shows uh, last week you know it's just a reminder of like uh, some, somebody saying you, you, "You do you remember how, how nice it is to be on stage and to, to tour all over the world and to meet people uh, that are happy just to listen to your music so uh, I was really prepared and we uh, I was really happy with the, the show and um, all the work we made to prepare this tour especially because that time it was really like I, I was feeling like it because Serious because on the last tour, we made a lot of uh, shows uh, abroad. We played in uh, Indonesia and uh, South Korea and China and uh, uh, Lebanon, Turkey, and all across Europe. But it was kind of a, a one shot, you know, like London and then uh, Barcelona and then uh, Munchen, that kind of. Uh, Of shows and most of the time the shows were uh, sold out. But it was at the end of the tour, so we didn't had the chance to. For for me, it still was a kind of tourism. You know, I I go there, I play my songs, I'm happy just because there are some people uh, in London uh, and uh, watching my uh, watching me on stage and listening to my music. And then I go I go back to France. But for the next tour, the one from Lovers that was supposed to start in March, there was this already sold out shows before the tour and so i felt like now it's getting serious so i was like full of hope uh, so so exciting about it above all i was like really exciting because we were supposed to tour the u.s and touring the u.s if i i don't speak uh, uh, for uh, every musician but i as a friends As a French musician, I think uh, that touring the U.S., you know, when you start a band, touring the U.S. is like a a dream, obviously. It's uh, like a a lifetime goal. And I was about to have it in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles and San Francisco. We uh, we didn't do it. I hope we're going to manage to do it maybe next year, but nothing is sure anymore. And uh, so to answer your question, the pandemic affected (laughs) the tour a lot.
0: Sorry to hear all those uh, changes to your tour hopefully like you said you do end up coming back to the states and having shows and performances here to go back to the tiktok i guess you can say like explosion in a way Um, (laughs) going back to that the song moon which you mentioned earlier was recently on our radio x's weekly playlist on spotify as well and it's been circling tiktok and all social medias what was it like having your song grow in the immensity that it did having artists like jayla i know i believe <laughs> the rock also used the song on a tiktok so how has that experience been like
3: it was incredible uh, somebody showed me a uh, tiktok a few weeks uh, before uh, i knew about the, this uh, explosion and uh, i uh, i look at the at the videos and and the power of the virality on a, on a song uh, on tiktok but it, i didn't feel really concerned like you know i thought this it, this is for uh, artists like drake or you know Beyonce or Rihanna, that kind of artist. In January, I think I received a, a message on Instagram by a fan saying, uh, hey "Amen. Did you notice that your song went uh, viral on uh, TikTok?" We had, uh, you know, some some effects on the streaming, but we didn't know where uh, it was coming from. You know, suddenly like peaks on the Spotify uh, stream streams and stuff. And uh, so I went uh, to TikTok and I saw, you know, all of the videos with the people basically uh, telling the stories of their lives. On the using the the hashtag and the line, uh, and it went like, and uh, I felt like very very. Very lucky. I think it's something that every musician secretly wants to have for his music. What What is amazing with the social me- media and that kind of explosion and kind of vi- viralities st- like storm, you know? You can't really plan. I don't think you ca- you can really plan it, and you can really stop it either. Uh, people are uh, they think obviously. uh He find the, the 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 good formula. How did he do it? I want to do it exactly. But there is some kind of magic because it, it's the way people approach appropriate themselves it was like i don't know and uh, so i felt uh, inc- incredibly lucky and moved too because uh, most of the time people that use music on tiktok use it for uh, doing uh, like a choreography you know but they didn't do it with my song and they uh, they basically use it for uh, telling uh, the story of, about their life so there is a uh, an emotional uh, side is really great for me because that's what I try to make with my music. And there was this second time in March when uh, I received another uh, mes- message on Instagram with somebody say to me, uh, did you saw that Jello uh, use, uh, use your song on TikTok? So, and then I went to the Jello account uh, on, on TikTok and I saw... Because the way uh, The Rock, the way he used it, he used it, it was, was more like, uh, you know, to make a joke. But Jello really used it, used it exactly as uh, the rest of the world used it, like to tell the story of of her life and uh, that was a very emotional moment for me
0: I know you mentioned how the kind of blowing up on TikTok isn't something that you can plan or on any social media outlets to discuss a little more about things that could be planned are there any new singles projects or anything in the works right now that you can kind of disclose or talk about
3: yeah there is um, some singles that uh, we're going to have a music video for released on uh, Lovers Uh, I'm I'm working on uh, some next songs some new songs to maybe to make a, like a bonus tracks or something for the when the tour is gonna uh, begin again but i'm very proud also because there is think, another dime uh, uh, goal that i'm about to achieve is that uh, i'm working on two soundtracks for uh, the movies soundtrack is something that inspire me and uh, that i like a lot since i am a kid it's the same that uh, about uh, the tour in the u.s it's like uh, When I began uh, to make music, I was thinking if one day I could make like a soundtrack, it would be amazing. And then uh, I'm about to finish it and uh, the director is really happy with it. So I guess it's going to be on screen, be at the end of the year. It's something that I'm really proud of and I can't wait to go uh, in the theaters with, uh, you know, this magical atmosphere and to at last see my name on the screen and my music with the with the images.
0: That all sounds so great. And obviously, I'm assuming that you can't disclose just yet what movie that'll be on.
3: It's a movie called Azuro, and it's uh, an adaptation of uh, Marguerite Duras' uh, novel. And it's a story about couples that go on vacation uh, by the sea, and uh, there is something or somebody happening and I can tell you more about it
0: (laughs) thank you for the little that you could share we look forward to hearing your music on that featured film before wrapping up the interview and kind of putting everything into perspective for our listeners to get some further background on yourself as an artist when did your musical career start and how has it been able to grow we've discussed so many things but just like the start of of it all
3: it officially uh, started in uh, 2006 because that was the release of my uh, first album then the second one in uh, 2010 which is very long but was a moment where I, I was not uh, making a living with my music so it took me a while but you know f- a first album in, in 2006 doesn't mean that you start on making music in 2004 you know it, I think I've started not necessarily making music and writing songs but uh, imagine songs and imagine uh, song titles and album covers and uh, tour over the world and uh, answering interview and talking uh, press speaks uh, when I was about uh, maybe 14, 15
0: That's quite some time into where we are today Thank you so much for joining us Kid Franciscoli To end off the interview we'd like to know where our listeners could find your any musical projects that you've put out so far
3: Anywhere on the internet and the usual uh, platform uh, you know streaming service like uh, Spotify Apple Music and Deezer uh, for the La France and uh, like yeah YouTube and uh, like everywhere Thanks a lot for having me.
0: What's up, everybody? It's DJ Baby G on Radio X's Off the Record to give you this week's top artist. We would like to give a special thanks to Tinderbox for sending us Zoe Zandra's latest EP, TMI. This EP includes a total of six songs, each with slightly different sounds from upbeat to more Baltic, brought together by Zoe's lovely singing, as can be seen on the second track, Blah Blah. Be sure to check out Blah Blah on Zoe Zandra's latest EP, TMI, on Radio X's Spotify account at NSU Radio X in our Discover Weekly Playlist. This is DJ Baby G signing off for the last time. That's it for this week, but tune back in next Friday for another exciting episode of Radio X Off the Record, where you won't want to miss our personal interview with NSU professors and students on their thoughts about this coming fall semester. As always, follow us on social media at NSU Radio X on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Snapchat, so you can put a face to all the names we've mentioned, as well as Radio X's weekly updates.